Hey, everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way it works for me. Just get a hold of me. Thank you very much for tuning in to another members episode. We got a special guest here on the line. I was just sitting here having a good old conversation with Charlie Robinson from Macroaggressions. And I said, hey, Charlie, you want to join me on the intro? I got to record for tomorrow. And he said, sure. So here he is. Charlie, what's going on, man? We're living in the craziest times of our lives. I'm convinced. I feel like I'm going insane. Every day is crazier than the day before. (laughs) Oh, Charlie, you're warming them up for your show, my friend. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. It's just, it's just too much. Uh, I have to, I have to step away from the computer. Sometimes I have to turn off the news. Uh, I feel like they're, uh, they're working on my brain. It's the, uh, it's just, a, it's a funny time. It's I'll tell you what though, Tony, it's a great time as a writer to be paying attention because I've got more than enough content, uh, to put forth in a, in a new book. So, uh, I'm just observing, taking notes, documenting the insanity, as it were. Well, all right. So let's, before we even talk about the uh, podcast, what what books are you talking about? In case people don't know, I mean, you've been on the show before. But I think I've had you on like two or three times. And if anybody doesn't know, uh, just to put it out there before we go any further, uh, I produce your podcast. Uh, I was, you know, I, I'm I, I work with you, and so uh, I, I definitely, obviously, want to see your podcast grow. But let's talk about the books and stuff, which I have no stake in, uh, and that's kind yeah. of like what puts you on the scene. Like everybody found you through your books. Yeah, I did. Uh, my first book was The Octopus of Global Control. That came out in August. 
August of 2017. And I wound up doing a lot of promotion for that because, you know, it's a, it's not the sort of book that winds up on a New York Times bestseller list, you know, so you really have to go out there and talk about it and promote it. By doing that, uh, I had wound up frequently being on on shows. Just I kind of got in the routine of being a, somebody they would they would talk to and interview. And from that, you and I started to, to connect that way. And you were like, you know, if you're... If you ever want to do a show, we should probably talk about that. And that wound up turning into macroaggression. So the book tour uh, and the uh, the book promotion tour wound up putting me in a better position to become a podcaster. So now, because of you, I'm fortunate enough to do macroaggressions uh, twice a week. But also on top of that, I still continue writing. So it turned into book two, which was the controlled demolition of the American Empire that I wrote with Jeff Berwick and that was the number one bestseller in the United States and in Australia. And then that, that led to book number three, which is hypocrisy surviving in a world of cultural double standards that came out last summer. So, um, but you know, so the, the podcast gives me an, an emotional outlet and, and then the books give me sort of like a slow burn where I, I can take a year and really formulate my thoughts and really dig deep into subject matter and do it, um, you know, do it in a way that, that, you know, kind of gets, gives people a little bit of a laugh at some of the insanity. So that's, that's sort of the thread that's running through all three of the books is that and I find a way to sort of inject some of my dark humor in this because I mean, if you can't laugh at the absurdity of this world, you you will go crazy. So I, I, I try to balance out the seriousness of the topics, whether it's in the writings or whether that's in the show. And while at the same time, still trying to have a sense of humor and get people through it and tell them like, listen, it's, it's going to be crazy, man, but it's going to be okay. Uh, there's a lot of good news out there. It's not all doom and gloom, but we've got to at least acknowledge some of the some of the darkness so that we can deal with it. So it's a it's been it's been fun for me to to, to hit it from both angles to, as as a writer and then going into more of like the visual arts component of it has been uh, uh, has been great. And I appreciate your help with it, man. I mean, the, the show sounds great. People love the intro. I I get told all the time. That that int- the, the macroaggressions intro is the best intro in all podcasts, and and I and I don't say that I like I I'm, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be braggadocious in any way. I, I I agree. I think it's so great that the guys that did the music for it they just nailed it. And you remember the first version, Tony? It was yeah. like this like smooth jazz version. I go, I don't think that's going to work because like. If the name is macroaggressions, it's got aggressions in it. I feel like it should be like maybe a little bit more upbeat, like a little bit more. And then, and then the, then the guy's like, Hey, why don't you listen to this? And I was like, Oh, they nailed it. That's exactly what I want. Like a big thumping bass kick, boom, 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 you know, and just this whole driving beat. I get, I get compliments all the time on it. And I go, thank you very much. I can't, I certainly cannot take, the credit for it. I mean, it was my idea on some of the, the timing and what I wanted it to say, but the guys that did the music, man, I feel like that made it. Yeah, it, it really did make it. And I get people saying to me that my podcast intro is the best ever. And I say, 
you haven't listened to macroaggressions yet. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, Dalton, I, when I brought the project to Dalton, uh, I remember the whole process. And he for the second version, what he did was he laid down everything, the riffs, everything, the bass, but he brought his friend in studio to actually play the drums. And so right. he played the drums out and it just, it just worked, man. It just worked. It's so funny because, you, you know, Richard Gage... Uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth he's a buddy of mine and and he's and he as you know he's one of our first guests on and and he's like your your intro triggers me too much (laughs) (laughs) he's the only guy he's the only person that's told me that he doesn't like it because it triggers him but other than that i've i've gotten compliments and i said well listen man good I'm glad because I, I feel like it's important to set the tone. Like this is what we're going to, we're going to be getting into some insanity here. You know, so, if you listen to that intro and you go, okay, I can deal with this. Then, then you're probably, you're probably a likely listener. And if you, and if, it, if you listen to that and you don't know, you know, like it, it, you don't know what to make of it, uh, you know, there are other shows out there. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, you're the way you do your show and stuff, I guess you're right. The intro and the clips that you chose to put in there, uh, really set the tone for the show and people can either know what they're getting into or be like, ah, I'll pass, you know, but not for everybody. I I will, I will will grant them that, but, but I, you know what, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I get a lot of feedback from the audience and it's been, it's, it's funny because they're, they're really thinking about things and there's, they've got a, a, a ton of uh, listeners that are in academia, which I kind of wrote off as being like beyond saving, you know, academia. And these, there's some, there's some really smart people out there that are kind of trapped in these systems and they're looking yep. for out and they're finding interesting shows, things that they're, you know, and, and, and I get, a, I just have, a, I guess I have a following in that realm. A lot of, professors listen to my show it's crazy i mean totally bonkers when we first started talking about the idea of doing it the thought of anybody listening to it sounded like insane to me and but but then to get like um i have like an oxford professor that emails me it once a week we talk all the time you know because he's listening he's got got questions about this it just blows my mind. It's wild. It's it's surreal. And and so I'm I I you know I feel like I'm I'm like everybody else. We're all out there trying to figure out what's going on, trying to sift through the lies and the nonsense, and try and figure out what's actually happening, so that we can position ourselves and our family to to be out of the way of bad stuff, or to maybe be in a position to prosper for the, uh, because we know, you know, where to be. It's just, it's been, it's been, it's, it's interesting. It's just been fun to explore all these things and, and the audience participation in it has been something that I was not expecting. It's been really fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's, uh, give people, um, a little, just, if you could summarize what your show's about, I mean, you you hit on edgy cultural topics, political topics, societal topics, the news of the day to uh, what happened a hundred years ago and why the world's jacked up today because of that event a hundred years ago to the Club of Rome. I mean, you really go 
deep on topics and uh it really like if you could describe if somebody if you if you came up to somebody in the grocery store and you're like yeah i'm a podcaster and they're like oh what do you what what's your show about what would you say i mean i talk about how the world really runs not not what we're how we're told that it works but how it actually works like who's really in charge like an episode that we just put out the united states of lockheed martin i mean that let's be honest here if you want to know how why we have these wars you have to understand the mechanism of who's in charge and who's really making decisions there so we'll talk tackle topics like lockheed martin and then and skull and bones because it's interesting it's just that you know or, or a deep dive on the clinton crime family and what they're involved in um or or just really drill down on one particular topic like one particular person like you picked out i picked, I did one a show recently on george soros and another one on maurice strong now you hear of soros in the news but i wanted to just go as far as i could and 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 you know give you as deep of an understanding of this guy as you can get that the mainstream media is never going to talk to you about because they finance with them and so, you know, so that you can then understand who you're dealing with when you see these people out there or, you know, so I, I, I go after interesting topics, topics that are interesting to me. And I talk to people that I think know more about this than I do or have written, you know, a lot of authors, a lot of um, documentary filmmakers I have on and things like that. And, and you know, people that are doing interesting projects. So it, it's just governmental though it's in the government section of iTunes, it's cultural, it's financial, because it's all interconnected. And you and it, it, it pays to try to have an understanding of a lot of these different aspects of what's really happening so that you can get a better idea of how the world really works. And that's what we that's a, that's what the books are about. The books are about control. You know, they're about yeah. control structures and things like that. And the and the podcast Macroaggressions is about uh, about who's in charge, who's running things, and w- what their plan is. So it 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 and and, and I, I'm never going to run out of stuff to talk about. There's be, there's so much going on. You know, it's hard to cover it all, and we can't. But we do the best we can. We try and make it entertaining while being educational in my books, I've backed up with hundreds of footnotes in each of the books. So, and same with the show. I mean, I kind of bring, uh, you know, verbal footnotes. I mean, I try to back up what I say. I, and when I speculate, I say, listen, I'm going to speculate on this. I try to, you know, I don't, I don't get sensational for the sake of it. I keep it as logical and realistic as possible I allow for some flexibility. I allow for some speculation. And I think, and I think that that's reasonable to do as long as you're clear about where you're speculating. And, and, and because otherwise, you know, I try to just really maintain my credibility as much as I can, you know, at, at a time where it's, it, it's tough to do in the alternative media. It's tough. So I, I you know, it, it's, that's what the show's about. I think people will find it interesting. Like I said, I, I, I don't shy away from the difficult topics, but I also don't pretend to know it all. So. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, like one, you do a great job and I, I'm a little biased, of course, but uh, you do, you do do a good job. And uh, I'll, I'll say that 
there's, you know, 14,000 people a week that think you do a good job too. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's, it's not, uh, proper etiquette to, for a podcaster to blare their numbers publicly. Uh, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> I mean, like thousands and thousands of people a week listen to you and it's because you have really good things to say you do a sunday show of interview uh, a format and a wednesday show of monologue where you just talk for an hour about a specific topic that you go deep on and people freaking love it and i'll tell you my dad uh listens to your show he's a truck driver my dad will come down uh, it, when I was living in Pennsylvania, he would come down uh, to my house to record and he'll be like, I was listening to Charlie on the way down. He was talking about this, that, and the other. And it, it, like, he really listens to what you have to say. And he's learned so much over the years and he's come to a new understanding on things and uh, confirmations on other things. So uh, Charlie, what I'm trying to say is you're doing God's work and you're doing a great <laughs> job. And, and and uh, I just, I just want to congratulate you on the success you've had on the show. And uh, I just, I really want to point my listeners right now in the direction of your show. It's called Macro Aggressions, and you can find it anywhere on the internet. It, 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 there's no, uh, is it here or there? If, if they play podcasts, then there's a good chance that you're going to find Macro Aggressions there. Uh, that's spelled M A C R O A G G R E S S I O N S. Macro Aggressions is the podcast name. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, everywhere. And uh, you're not going to be disappointed. If you're into alternative thinking, if you're into uh, learning about how the world operates and thinking outside the box and not listening to mainstream media, this is the place to go. It's the new mainstream media. Don't mess it up, Charlie. Don't mess it up. So uh, listen, everybody, we got a great show coming up here. We have Mark coming on the show. And Mark starts out sharing his experiences as a kid where him and his friend uh, came across a dead, bloody body in the woods, in the snow, came across two other girls that were also dead. And then it turns out that they may not have been so dead. We're not sure what they were, but he believes that this was a marking period in his life that set off his life into the paranormal of these experiences, even into his adult life and his professional life. He is a retired principal, a retired school principal, and he had a student that could see dead people, essentially. And she would had no problem telling her teacher or anybody that so-and-so standing behind them. And it turns out this girl was incredibly accurate. He gets into all of it on this interview. So let's get to Mark right now. All right. Today we got Mark on the show. Mark, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing good. Listen, Mark, you are a great person to have on. Uh, you have a very unique story. Uh, when I was reading, I was like, "Oh, this is unique." I wonder what I'm going to even ask him. You know, so like, you know, <laughs> sure. it, it's it's very unique. It's cool, uh, for me to hear. Probably not for you to go through uh, clearly. But uh, I kind of stopped doing that. By the way, I I, I do that sometimes in the beginning of the interview. I'm like, "Hey, uh, this this sounds really awesome," and they're like, "Uh, yeah, sure." <laughs> like, oh, it, you know, it, it's not so bad. It'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark. 
you had something happen to you and your friend when you guys were kids, and I believe you were sled riding one winter. Sure. And sure. that seemed like when I was reading the email, it launched something happening in your life. And so what I want you to do is to just start us off. Where, where were you? What were you doing? What happened? And then share with us these following experiences you had throughout your life that kind of paints a picture for the audience to understand what Mark's paranormal life has been. Okay, sure. I grew up in an area of Indiana that had been rife with Indians at one time. I'm in my 50s now. So this kind of begins, you know, when I was a kid in the early 70s. And I, I um, we lived in kind of a, an area that was uh, largely country. There were, you know, seven houses on my road. There was a um, creek in a woods we hung out in all the time. We hunted arrowheads in the creek and looked for fossils in the creek and hunted and trapped in the creek. And there was a lady, an old lady at the end of the street or the road who, and, and do the math on this because it makes sense. She was in her 80s and she would have been born in the like late 1800s. And she would tell the story that her grandmother would feed the Indians off her back porch, the ones that hadn't been moved west, you know, when the Indians were moved west from Indiana. And the Indians have probably been, you know, itinerant workers who got the idea that they can go to her house for bread and butter. And she was freaked out because she was afraid of them and she would feed them. So I tell you all that to set the stage because at the end, about three miles at the end of our road, there was an Indian village at one time in the early 1800s. So that's kind of where, that's the background of where I grew up and, um, you know, how things were when I was a kid. So we would always, as I said, play in the creek and play in the woods. And um, one winter day, my friend and I had gone sledding. It was just a great day. It was he and I and our the dog came with us and had a really good um, afternoon. And then as the afternoon went on, things kind of changed. It's hard to describe just kind of the air changed. And I can't, I can't define it any more than that. But things just be kind of got heavy. The sun kind of went away. The clouds came in. Things weren't as much fun. We began to snap at each other. And it was just funny. Let's just call this a day. This is no good anymore. And as we're packing up to go home, my buddy suddenly freezes and says, oh, my God, look at that. And we weren't really talking at that point because we've been bickering the last half hour. And I, you know, what is it? And I looked over there and there's a body in the snow. And I looked and we've been, I mean, up and down that hill all day and it hadn't been there. Obviously, we were seeing it. And I looked closer and it was an older male Indian wrapped in a blanket. There was blood on the snow, blood on him. Uh, <laughs> wow. This is kind of hard. And over to the side then, a little further away from him, there were two more bodies. It was a white woman and a girl, little girl in a pink dress and pigtails, little blonde girl. And they were also dead. Well, you know, feet don't fail me now. Get the heck out of there. 
Um, so we packed up really quick and left some stuff there and took off across the grass, the meadow, through the trees. And, and here's the part that, I mean, <laughs> like it wasn't already weird before. Um, there was a clicking in the air. And suddenly, ahead of me was the body of the Indian again. So even though we had left the area and moved away from that, there it was again. We were pretty panicked, of course. We were freaked out, crying. We were little. We were eight, nine years old, ten years old. Um... We kept on moving and there was a clicking sound in the air again. And there it was again, there he was again. But this time he had rotated. This is really odd. He had rotated. He had been lying on the ground and now he was horizontal. Like he was standing. He hadn't changed positions. I mean, he hadn't like physically, like he hadn't moved his arms or his legs. He, he was in the same position he was. He was just rotated. Off to my right, as we're running, I saw this other two bodies um, on my buddy's side. And this went on, this kept happening, this just, and then they would, they would fade, and we'd move forward, and we were crying and carrying on. And then there would be that clicking sound in the air again, and there they'd be again in front of us. So... These, these these bodies continue just to kind of follow you throughout the running. They would be ahead of us. Yeah. They would be with us. I mean, ahead of us. It's like we would make some ground and then there they would be ahead of us. They never said anything. They never looked at us really that it could, you know, they would, but they were just, they were, they were with us the entire way home. Now I'm assuming that you, like you, you come to the conclusion that these were apparitions. Yes. Now the clicking yes. noise makes you feel like there's some kind of like uh, glitch in a matrix happening. That was my thought as like later on, many years later that I, you know, when I thought about it at the time, I thought I was just, I was being chased by ghosts, but the clicking noise, the audible part of it makes me think there was something more going on there. Now I mentioned, I mentioned the, you know, the history of the area before. And I looked, we've, I, I researched, I can find nothing of any, you know, Indian attack or, you know, murders on a family or settlement or anything. I don't know the history of that or why they were there or who those people were, you know, who they were. But they were all dead. And from the amount of blood and the snow and on them, they had been murdered violently. I don't know who they were, but they were there that day. How, how far did this happen? I mean, until you got back or what? Um, yeah, until we crossed my road. And then into our yard, it was probably, oh my gosh, almost a mile, perhaps, that's from the terrifying. hills where we were to back to the yeah back to my house. Wow, yeah, that's terrifying for kids to go through. Uh, shoot, that's terrifying for anybody to go to go through. Uh, sure. So, so you go through this experience. Uh, you get back to the house, and uh, what did you and your friend say? I mean, did you guys talk about this? Uh, did you tell people? Well, we did it. Yeah, eventually. I mean, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see what he he kept 
<laughs> he kept pinching his eyes and saying, I I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing this. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm seeing something. I don't know what you're not seeing <laughs> or trying to convince yourself. Um, but we, you know, what did you see? Well, what did you see? And we both saw the same thing. We both saw the old man. And now here's something else that's interesting. The old man was more defined and clear. Like his edges, his colors were brighter. The edges of his being were sharper. The other two, although they were together, weren't, weren't nearly as defined. I don't, I don't know what that means either. That's interesting. Uh, so, I mean, have you ever thought about is did was that area? I mean, I mentioned glitch in the matrix, but maybe the area had some kind of like portal or time loop scenario going on. Uh, I mean, you said you kind of looked into things and stuff, but you never heard of anything sure. similar to this, right? No, and like I said, we we did some research with 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 what we you know could find in the township. Um. We knew there was Indian settlement there, like I said, with the old lady and and the you know <laughs> giving the bread and butter away. We knew from the arrowheads and things we found in the creek that you know <laughs> it had been there, um, but we never found any like you know history or documentation of there being an attack or murders on a settlement or anything. So I don't know where they came from, but but yet again, looking at those three people. They were definitely, I mean, it was a violent death of some kind. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, where do we go from here then? What What's the next thing that, that happened in your life? And I'm assuming uh, you feel like this event triggered the following events. Well, yeah, I think that, that whatever we went into that day or we whatever we discovered or found or opened or I don't know, however you want to define it, um, kind of started things out. The next part of this i truly feel is attached to that event but i can't but i'm not yeah i can't explain why or how um the winter passed and then then you know as the seasons progressed every now and then little odd strange disturbances began to appear or um we i, I began to hear crying under my window and we couldn't, you know, we'd check. There wasn't, it wasn't a kid. It wasn't an animal. There weren't really any, any other kids in the neighborhood, especially a small person. We didn't know, you know, where that was coming from. Um, I heard it. My sister heard it. One night, that same buddy and I were out sleeping in a tent in the backyard. You know, we heard it then. Again, that freaked us out, of course. <laughs> we went back inside for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, but the second summer after that, was when things really ramped up and really got, I mean, to my mind, t terrifying. Um, when school let out for a while, a couple nights in a row. This was a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today.